Welcome, Resonate family and any other friends tuning in. We are glad to have you here. This summer, we are starting a series that is called The Story of God. This 12-week series covers the timeless saga of God's redemptive love, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. What is God's greater story that is unfolding throughout all of history? Each week, we will explore these questions and get into the depth and breadth of God's covenant with His chosen people, humanity's response, and the hope to be found in His story. Our prayer as we go through this series is that God's redemptive movement throughout history would inspire us to greater devotion, to love God and our neighbors on campus and in Seattle. Well, good morning, y'all. Thanks for joining us on this cool, almost fall, but not quite yet, fall morning. Uh, Glad to be here with y'all. I know a lot of you have probably already started enjoying the uh, pumpkin spice lattes at Starbucks. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a pumpkin spice latte guy. I'm not a big pumpkin guy, but Starbucks has their new uh, apple crisp oat milk macchiato. That thing is fire. It is, yeah, it's just straight sugar. Straight sugar, but it is very, very good. Cool, well, this morning uh, we're going to start off with a story. Uh, so, a few years ago, uh, in May of 2019, Emma and I got married. Stoked about it. Uh, at that point in time, uh, we were both on staff, uh, Emma on the network, me in Ellensburg, but we weren't sure what the next step was. Emma, at the time, had processed moving to be a part of uh, an international church plant. Uh, I had kind of been falling in love with the small town life in Ellensburg, but was also processing what it would look like uh, to church plant. But neither of us really had an idea or a clue what our next steps were going to be, what they were supposed to be. Uh, There was lots of options, and we were just kind of in the middle, trying to figure out, hey, we're married now, finishing up school, where do we go from here? And so we prayed, and we prayed some more, and we prayed some more, and months went by, and we still didn't have an answer. Uh, We still had no idea what the the next big thing for us was going to be. And then kind of all of a sudden, after months of praying, months of waiting, uh, two different people asked us to be a part of two different church plants within weeks of each other. Uh, One going to Tokyo, Japan, and one coming here to Seattle. Obviously, you all can figure out what the answer was uh, as we are here in Seattle. And we love it. We're we're stoked to be pursuing students at UW, uh, pursuing people here in this city. Uh, but there was kind of those, those months of waiting, the in-between, trying to figure out what was next for us. Um, and in that season, Emma and I like really grew independently, but also grew closer together. And if we're being honest, like a few months isn't that long. Uh, you know, now with our culture, like five minutes feels like forever because we're just in this culture of instant gratification. Um, so waiting five minutes, let alone months. Uh, can lead to frustration. And even then, we were still hearing from the Lord. Like we were praying, there were steps taking place. Uh, He was still working through us and for us, just not necessarily in the way that we were wanting or had hoped for. Um, So today we're going to be talking about the answer to 400 years of waiting. So while Emma and I, man, had God working through us, had God trying to 
you know, we were praying. The Israelites didn't have that. So, uh, as we've been moving through the Story of God series, uh, we left off two weeks ago with Kevin talking about the people of God as they experienced exile and then the return to the Promised Land. And so, in the Old Testament, uh, we see king after king, prophet after prophet, until we don't. It stops after Malachi. And so, for 400 years, the Israelites experienced silence. They experienced waiting. For 400 years, they did not hear from God or from a prophet. So today, we're going to cover the answer to the silence, the the answer to the waiting. We're going to talk about the Messiah. We're going to talk about Jesus. So, instead of trying to do a ridiculous flyover of the story of Jesus and trying to do a speed run of four different Gospels in 30 minutes, uh, we're going to take a different approach. So, uh, I want to talk about Jesus this morning as he relates to the story of God uh, as an answer to the covenant, as a fulfillment of prophecy, and the restore of our relationship to the Father. So, uh, up on the screen, I have a graphic that illustrates Jesus as the fulfillment to prophecies. I know that this is really hard to see. Uh, the goal is not so much for you to like be able to read all of it, but just see it. Uh, I'll send the picture in Discord later if you like are really interested. Um, but here you see over 200 prophecies being fulfilled from the Old Testament through Jesus. So on this side is the Old Testament, this side is the New Testament, hence the arcs. Uh, and I think that this graphic specifically is really cool because it breaks things down even more. Uh, so each color represents a different type of prophecy what the Messiah will be like, his character, his lineage, what he will say, what he will do, how he will be received, how it will end. And then uh, it also depicts how the prophecy was fulfilled. So the lines are different types of lines. Some of them are solid, some of them are dotted, some of them are dashed. Uh, And those depict whether it was a claim by Jesus himself, uh, a claim by someone else, or record of an actual event. Uh, And just... As a side note, I personally think that this graphic is so cool. Uh, This is actually from a book called the Infographic Bible. I had never heard of it. Uh, We were in England, though, last Thanksgiving uh, for a scout trip, and we were at a bookstore uh, right next to University College London, UCL. Uh, This massive school that is super secular. Nobody wants Jesus. Nobody loves Jesus. And it's this, like, three-story bookstore. And, of course, I go to the religious section, And it's like three stories massive. And the Christianity section is like one bookshelf, uh, which makes sense. But uh, I see this book and I just like flip it open. And this is the first page I land on. And and seeing this, I was just like, this is so cool. And I started flipping through it and I was like, this is awesome. And so I started messaging like other people on the team like, hey, you got to come here and like, look at this book. Like, it's so cool. Uh, And then I was like, hey, Emma, can we like, please buy this? Like, this is the coolest book I've ever seen. Uh, and so she said yes, and then that night, like our team, there was like half of us that stayed up until midnight just flipping through different graphics in this book. So, super cool. If you ever want to check it out, you can come over. It's awesome. But this graphic uh, shows us the story of God. It, it shows us how Jesus came as the fulfillment of the story of Adam and Eve. He came as the fulfillment of the story of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, of Joseph, of Moses, of the kings, of the prophets. And I love this graphic because it shows us the big picture, uh, a picture of a God, uh, a father who loves his people 
and created a way to redeem them and restore them into a relationship with him. And so if this is a movie, if, if the Bible is a movie, then the entire Old Testament has been leading up to this point, this, this climax, this moment where finally the thing that they've been pointing to, the thing that they've been waiting for, Jesus is coming. An answer to the previous 2,000 years. So we're going to talk about some of these prophecies and just talk about how Jesus was the answer, how Jesus was the fulfillment. There's going to be a lot of back and forth, uh, a lot of Old Testament, New Testament. Um, so if you want to follow along with your copy of Scripture, you can. It's going to be on the screen to make it easy. Quick shout out to Emma. It's a lot. She put in a lot of effort. So props to her. But uh, we're going to kind of go week by week as we've talked through the story of God and been addressing different stories. We're going to kind of see, okay, what prophecies were in that and how is Jesus the answer? So in week two of this series, week one was creation. Week two, uh, we covered the fall. And so we talked about Adam and Eve, the fall, their sin. And in Genesis 3, verses 14 and 15, It says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That's the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, we see in John 12, 31, Jesus says, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. 1 John 3, 8 says, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And so in Jesus' death, we see him, the offspring of Eve, you know, the descendant of Eve, struck down. He, he is dead. He passes away. The enemy is celebrating, saying, hey, I struck him down. I bit him. But in his resurrection, we see him crush death, crush sin, crush the enemy. And so we see this moment of Adam and Eve, the fall. Man, the enemy will be struck. The enemy will strike him, and he will crush the enemy. And in Jesus, we see the fulfillment of that. In week four of this series... We talked about God's covenant with Abraham. Um, In Genesis 12, we see the Lord promise that he will bless all people through Abraham. It says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And in Genesis 17, uh, he's telling Abraham about this everlasting covenant that he will keep through the generations, through his son Isaac, through his descendants. So Genesis 17, 19 says, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring, after you throughout their generations. And so we see this answered in Jesus. In Acts 3, it's written, He said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. And then in Matthew 1, we see Jesus' lineage 
a descendant of Abraham and Isaac. And we're actually going to take a second and read the first chunk of Matthew 1. Uh, a chunk that I think a lot of people skip, myself included. We, we tend to skim through it. We tend to skip it altogether um, because it's a list of names. And names are boring, uh, especially when you're like just reading through a bunch of people that you've never heard of before. But uh, in this context, I think it's so cool to see how this lineage, these names show the story of God, that, that show a covenant that lasts through generations and generations and generations. So, Matthew 1, we're going to start in verse 2. We're going to read a lot of names. So, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, one of those brothers being Joseph, who we talked about uh, in Egypt. And then Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, who, if you remember, Rahab was the prostitute in Jericho that we talked about in Judges that rescued slash saved the Israelite spies when they were in Jericho. She was a prostitute that kept them safe, hid them, uh, and was blessed because of her faithfulness to God. It continues, And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. So we can see we've gone from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah down to David. It still continues. David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah and Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, who, fun fact, uh, Hezekiah, during his reign, for a brief period of time, uh, a lot of people actually thought that he was the Messiah because of some of his actions. Uh, people were kind of questioning, like, oh, is this the guy that we've been waiting for? And then he sinned inevitably, and they were like, oh, never mind. Um, and it continues from him. And Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation of Babylon, which Kevin talked about, the exile. And after the deportation of Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheltiel, and Sheltiel, the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud, and Abiah, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azor, and Azor, the father of Zadok, and Zadok, the father of Achim, and Achim, the father of Eliad, and Eliad, the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar, the father of Methan, and Methan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So again, it's, it's a long list of names. And for the most part, we kind of skip past it, brush past it. We're like, eh, it's names. But you can see the direct ascendancy from Abraham to Jesus. And our best guess is that the story of Abraham happened about 2,000 years before Jesus was born. So that means there is almost the same amount of time between Abraham and Jesus as Jesus and us. Do you know how crazy that is? Like, we skip past it because it's a list of names, and yet we can track the direct descendancy from Abraham to Jesus over the course of 2,000 years. Tracking it back with whom God made a covenant to bless all the earth through. 
He said that he was going to bless Abraham through his lineage, bless Isaac through his lineage, and we see that in Matthew 1. But Jesus, as the fulfillment of prophecies, it keeps going. It it doesn't end there. In week 5, we talked about Jacob and his son Joseph. Well, kind of in that same time period in Genesis 49, uh, we see Jacob talking about his sons and prophesying of Judah's rule. In verse 10, it says, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. So we've already read in the genealogy that Jesus has descended from the line of Judah. We see that he is a descendant. And then in Luke 1, 32 and 33, it says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And so we see as Jacob prophesied about Judah's rule, saying that the obedience of the nation shall be his, we see in Luke that that is Jesus. Man, as Abraham was pointing to someone else, as Jacob was pointing to someone else, we see that answered in Jesus. In week 6 and 7, we covered the Exodus story with Moses and then the Israelites entering into the Promised Land with Joshua. And before Moses' death, we see his prophecy of a new prophet for Israel. In Deuteronomy 18, it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. And in John 6, we see Jesus as the fulfillment, as the prophet. Verse 14 says, After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. As Moses was pointing to something else, we see Jesus as the answer. In weeks 8 and 9 of this sermon series, we discussed Israelites' history, its kings, its prophets, its exile, its return. In 2 Samuel, we see God promise David that his offspring will rule forever. Verse 12 and 13 reads, When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. In Jeremiah 31, 31, it says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. God's promising a new covenant. In Zechariah, we see this Messiah, this King, will arrive on a donkey. Zechariah 9, 9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your King comes to you, righteous and victorious lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So in these prophecies, we we see the already, but not yet. In Judges and Samuel, we see Israel's desire for a king. They want a ruler. They want someone over them. In these prophecies, we see that those kings, Saul was not the answer. David was not the answer. Solomon was not the answer. Hezekiah was not the answer. They were not the end goal. They they were pointing to something. They were looking forward to something. 
because they knew that there was one coming. Uh, a king that would rule forever. Uh, a king that would establish a new covenant. And we see that fulfilled through Jesus Christ, our king. We see it fulfilled in Luke 1, talking about the lineage. We see Jesus has descended from the line of David. We see it fulfilled in Matthew 26. It's the Last Supper. Jesus is saying, this represents my blood that will be spilled for the covenant. We see it fulfilled in Matthew 21. Matthew 21, verses 6 through 10. It says, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. He is the answer. He is the prophet that Moses foretold. Man, he is the one that is going to bless people as God promised through Abraham. And that's just the start. Like, that's eight out of over 200 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. This is just a quick table. Like, hey, here are those prophecies, Old Testament, New Testament. And like I said, that's, that's just the start. It keeps going. We could spend weeks upon weeks on this, but I, I want to hit a few more for us this morning. In Psalm 110, David says that his Lord will be made a priest of Melchizedek. Jesus was a priest of Melchizedek. In Psalm 130, it says that the Lord will redeem Israel from its sins. Jesus redeemed Israel. In Isaiah 7 and 8, God promises to send a son who will be Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is that son, God with us. In Isaiah 35, God promises that the blind would see, that the deaf would hear, that the lame would walk, that the mute would speak. Jesus heals the blind, heals the deaf, heals the lame, heals the mute. In Isaiah 40, God promises a shepherd who will tend to his sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd who cares for his people. Isaiah 49 says that God will send his servant as a light to the Gentiles. Jesus was a servant that was sent not just for the Israelites, but for all nations, for all people, for all tongues. Micah 5 says that the ruler of Israel will come from Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Malachi 4 says that the son of righteousness will come. Jesus is the son of righteousness. In Zechariah 2, God says that he will live among his people. And in Christ, we see God come and live among his people. Over the last 10 weeks, we have seen so much of the story of God. And in Jesus, we see the answer. We see the one that was pointed to. We see the one that was coming. We see the one that was foretold. The Israelites hoped. They, they prayed for a king, for, for a savior, for a ruler, and they received one in Jesus. We receive one in Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I am like just in awe. Like when you see 2,000 years of history of prophecy, of life, of kings, of prophets, of rulers. And through Jesus, like, it's all answered. Like, that's crazy. Like, straight up. No other religion has that. No other belief system has that. Like, we do. That is how good our God is. The God that kept His promise for 2,000 years, from Abraham 
to Isaac, to Jacob, to Judah, to David, to Jesus, the God that kept his promise, that is the same God that we get to pray to today. A few weeks ago, when we talked about Joshua and the Israelites entering the promised land, we talked about God's faithfulness to his people. His faithfulness to give the promised land to the Israelites over 40 years. Uh, In Exodus, he says that he is going to rescue his people from slavery, enter them into the promised land. Forty years pass, but eventually it comes to happen. And it was mentioned that while Joshua shows a fulfillment of God's covenant promises, they weren't fully fulfilled. Like, yes, but not yet. Because Christ was coming. Christ was the answer. Christ is the fulfillment. Ephesians 2, 4 through 8 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him, and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. And what a gift it is, that God in his faithfulness would allow us to experience the gift of grace through Christ on the cross. The, the Christ that was the fulfillment of the covenant the king that Israel prayed for, the savior that we needed. And so this week, would we rejoice in Christ our king? Would we remember God's faithfulness to his people? Would we worship our God that that dwelled among us, that dwelled among his people to save us, to redeem us, to restore us back to him would we worship and praise and would we rejoice in our relationship with him would you pray with me god would that be true father would we rejoice would we remember god would we praise you would we give you glory god knowing remembering that you are a god that dwelt among us you came down to us. You were God with us to save us, to redeem us, to restore us. Father, we get to experience your love and your mercy and your compassion because of Jesus. God, thousands of years, your people prayed, they waited. And God, in Christ, we have the fulfillment of those prayers. God, we have the answer. And thank you for being a good father. God, thank you for being with us. Thank you for giving us your son. Would we worship you? Would we praise you? Would we give you the glory this morning? In your name we pray. Amen.